Today on the show, I'm happy to have Sumadeep Rakshit. He's the CEO of Mystery Vibe. They're a world leader in over-the-counter urogynecology devices. And this is, the name Mystery Vibe makes sense with that type of product line. So when you were developing one of the products, you actually spent a million dollars to get it to market, had it rejected by the market, and then threw another million in. Yes, yes. Very painful, but lots of lessons learned. And thank you for having me. So I'm talking about our one of our very early products called Tenuto. Uh, it's designed to help with erectile dysfunction. So it vibrates on the penis, perineum, and just delivers the right amount of frequency to help with blood flow, help with erection. And then it's tight enough to constrict the blood so you can maintain the erection. So when we first started, and the thing with medical devices is they need to be fully ready, safe, compliant before even a single user can try it. So it's quite a long process from the day you start till the first user can try it and could easily be years. So I would say we probably spend three years from a sketch till a fully compliant user testable device. Now the big mistake we made, which we obviously didn't realize till it was in the hands of users, was we tried to make it suitable for 90% plus penis diameters and the just like any bell curve most of the penises sit within a certain like within say 70 percent of that and the outliers can be really different and big or small compared to the average so what happened was because we were building it on a 90 percent plus basis the gap was too big. And with stimulation through vibration, the key thing is the vibration needs to really be delivered to the tissue in order to help with blood growth. So if a device is too big, uh, it simply does not touch and it does not deliver the vibration. It does not create the stimulation. And also if it's too big, it doesn't constrict the penis and doesn't constrict the blood flow. We had to go back to square one because it wasn't a simple change of just making it smaller. It was a redesign of the entire product. So we spent probably another couple of years, another million dollars. And then with all that feedback, five years in total, we got to a product that we were happy with, users were happy with, and then the medical trials proved it to be very effective. And that's what we have today, 10 years later. But it was definitely the hardest failure we've had in our 10-year journey. I can't fathom five years in building a product before being able to recognize revenue. How does somebody actually weather that storm and make it through? Patient investors, there's no other, there's no other solution, sadly. But the good thing about healthcare investors is that, and I said this to everybody at the beginning, it's a 10-year plan. Even though the product was ready in five years, which is long, but it was nowhere near as commercial as it today, because even after the product's ready and users like it, you still have to go through clinical trials, publications, reimbursement codes, uh, getting lots of doctors to try it, and then recommendations, and then the distribution. So that's easily another five years. So to truly scale commercially, I would say 10 years is a good number. Five years would be 
very optimistic and probably unrealistic. Getting into the space, did you realize that it was going to be really a 10-year journey? Yes, so that is something we all knew and happily our investors, because a lot of them are doctors and from healthcare, they were very aware of it and that made our journey much easier. Also, we always assumed that the first versions of products, even now when we build them, isn't really going to work as well as once we've iterated. And we come from a biomedical background, so we had a eye camera company before. So we built that and we sold it. So we, especially with hardware and medtech, we were used to things taking longer, costing more, and not working the first time. So I would say for us, that is the expectation is things are going to take a long time. But that product in particular was really complex because we had to start from zero. Whereas in most cases, we have to make some changes, but it's iterative rather than completely rethinking it. Can you talk about your exit with the iCamera company and what that was like? Yes. So that was in defense. So what we did, so my PhD was in iris recognition. So cameras, and this is back in 2004. So back when biometrics wasn't really known that well. So my focus was building cameras and the software to look at eyes and analyzing that and identifying and matching people. So we built that system and even though it was biomedical, but the clients were all in defense and we had 10 clients and one of the clients called Fortunation acquired it in 2000. So having an exit like that, it's rewarding from a capital standpoint. Was that life-changing for you? No, it wasn't because one, I was a PhD student, so it was very much my professor's idea and we as students were part of the company. So we created the software and the hardware working together, but it was very much the professor's and it was all part of the university. So professor's idea and his, really his creation. So with the current company, would you like to sell it one day? Yes. So for us, it's not really selling. So for us, the initial plan was let's do at least 10 years to take it to a high growth, profitable revenue generating company, and then be part of a bigger healthcare group to scale it so that we can get it into the hands of millions of people and then spend the next 10 years scaling within a bigger group. So I see it as we're midway through our 20 year journey, where the first 10 years were independent and we're agile and nimble and we do things very quick. And the next 10 years, we continue to do innovation, but we focus very much on distribution, which is done really well by big corporates. So is that bringing in a, a different staff, a different team? Not really, because where we specialize is the innovation side and the direct-to-consumer side. So typically what would happen is the corporate who acquires us will be very good at B2B distribution, selling to pharmacies, retail, hospitals, clinics, et cetera, which is what we don't do. So it will be very complementary. So we, as our team, will continue to do innovation and direct-to-consumer. And there, as a corporate, will take our devices and put it into large distribution channels. So how demanding is this business of your time? How 10 years of... So even if we have holidays, we can't stop thinking about it. So it's no different from having a kid 
because till the kid's 18 and goes to university, you basically look after them all the time. And I think it's the same with company. Like the first five years, you constantly look after them. Maybe the next five years, you'd look after them a little bit less. The next five years, it's a much more hands-off approach. And then after five years, you probably, you sell the company and you're done. So I think it's very much like having a kid. You, you don't really ever have a holiday from your kid. And, and at some point they grow up and they're self-sufficient and then, then it's great. So yeah, very much full time. Like so you're getting a little more balance back in the life and now that you're at the 10 year mark. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's much calmer now with, we, the team is very independent. We all have our work cut out and it's nice to have, we're, we're 20 people. It's nice to have people who all have their things. Otherwise what happens when the beginning is the founders, it's just us founders. And then we end up doing everything. And we don't do everything well either. So it's just a lot of stress and not the right amount of productivity. Whereas 10 years down the line, you have hired all the right people in the right roles. They're all independent. And yeah, it's really nice that you can see the company grow and you can sit back and think about what next and much more strategic things rather than just, let's say, firefighting, which is all we do in the beginning. If you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? Everything takes at least twice as long and costs at least twice as much. So if our listeners wanted to learn more about the product, about you, how could they get in touch? Just mysterifier.com is our website and my email is som, S-O-U-M, at mysterivive.com. Thank you, Sumadeep, for coming on the show and everybody for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. If you like the show, make sure to give us a five-star review and we'll see you next time.